Consistency will position you to receive more than your striving ever will because whatever you do most consistently is most important to you. A lot of people, young people, especially young adults, will ask me like, hey, how, how, do, I, how do I hear from God? How do I hear from God more? Like, I feel like I don't hear him. And the biggest question is like, how consistent are you in this word? Because this is what he says. How God talks is just important for you to recognize as what he is saying. Because the enemy will actually use and distort and manipulate things that sound right, that kind of are taken out of context and not really that, but he'll, he'll use scripture to try to get you to sway you off even. But when I know how God talks, when I know the way he sounds, it becomes easier for me to distinguish, nope, that sounds right, but that's not how God talks. This, this is what he's asking me to do. Acts chapter three, as we jump in today, uh, this is Luke writing. Uh, Luke, Luke writes a lot about the ministry of Jesus, the works of Jesus on this earth, and then continues in, in the book of Acts to write uh, about the works of Jesus through his spirit, by his spirit, excuse me, through uh, ordinary men and women, just like, just like you and me, uh, to remind us, to prove to us, and to continue to show us that God is still moving, he is still working, he is still transforming lives, he is still speaking, even though Jesus is not physically walking this earth. Luke writes to, to show us a couple people that took the message and the ministry of Jesus extremely seriously. Then in Acts chapter one and verse eight, when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you to Judea, to Judea Samaria, and to the ends of the earth uh, and Jerusalem, that these men said, got it, say less, say no more, like I got it, I, I'm gonna take this seriously and I'm gonna go. We'll see that the book of Acts is split up into a couple different sections. The first section that we're gonna be in today uh, really highlights the life of Peter. Second and the third highlight the life of Paul and his missionary journeys. But Luke is showing us uh, an example and he is revealing to us as followers of Jesus what it ought to look like or what it looks like for, for us to accept the sacrifice of Jesus take his life and testimony seriously and to live this life now empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's filled with a bunch of works of the Holy Spirit, some amazing miracles and signs and wonders that have taken place. I would encourage you to go back and it's honestly something worth binge reading multiple times, even just to encourage your own soul and prove to yourself God does still work, God does still move. And in Acts chapter three, the Bible says this, beginning in verse one, it says, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, this is all he's ever known, he's known nothing more, this is it. This is his life and he has grown accustomed to it. Lame from his mother's womb was carried when, when they, laid, they laid him daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask for alms, that is a, common practice and he would not have been the only one outside this gate. Peter and John would, have not, would not have been the only ones who passed by this man at this gate. There would have been hundreds of people who passed by and, and, and many, many others who are also sitting there. But specifically, there seems to be something about this man that the Spirit of God deems is something I want to be a part of. So he uses Peter and John and laid there 
to ask for alms from those who entered the temple. In verse three, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately, I love this, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping, Uh, So he leaped up, stood, and walked, and watch this, entered the temple with them. He would not have been able to enter the temple previously because of his lameness. He would have had to sit outside the gate. But now, Peter and John are like, all right, let's go. And they go back. They, They head into church, leaping and praising God, walking, leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. God, I thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. You have been speaking to our heart and to our soul since we got here. Thank you for the transformation that we got to celebrate in worship and baptism. And God, we stand in awe of your goodness, of your grace, and of your mercy today. We, we acknowledge your presence in this room. You are, in fact, the most important person here. We ask God that of all the things we're gonna hear today, that we would hear exactly what you by your spirit desire for us to hear. That it would fall on good soil and God, that we would leave a little bit more like you and a little bit more excited and empowered and on fire to continue your mission here on this earth. We love you and worship you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. 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 Peter and John are on this journey. Jesus has ascended into heaven in Acts chapter one. He has commissioned them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. They have sat in the upper room and waited for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They have been empowered by the Holy Spirit and the church has, the the New Testament church has begun to grow and flourish. And the Bible says in Acts chapter two that the church is growing daily, that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Bible tells us that that the believers are so encouraged, so excited, and, and are so in awe of what God is doing among them that they begin to sell their possessions, sell everything that they have to connect with one another. And they actually say, we're not going to church once a week. We're gonna go every day. We're gonna be together every single day. We're gonna be around each other as much as possible. This is amazing. We wanna celebrate this. Bible says that they continued daily in their, in their praying and in their meeting together and they're connecting around the apostles' teaching and, and they met daily. And Peter and John take this seriously. They say, bet, we got it. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna do this. And they're just on this journey into the temple and they see this man that obviously the Holy Spirit highlights to them and, and they say, we've seen Jesus. Didn't ask questions, didn't, you know, many cases didn't even ask if people wanted to be healed. He just did. And so... We might as well try it. And I love just, they didn't hesitate. They didn't like ask questions. Like what if God doesn't do it? And they just said, hey, you, uh, you have a need. I see that need. I know the one who can provide that need. So what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, get up and walk. Peter leans down, picks him up. Dude gets up, goes into church. And uh, it's an amazing time. And, and many people are celebrating, except for a couple. 
Because immediately after, if you turn to Acts chapter four, what you'll realize, you don't, you don't need to necessarily turn there now, but I would encourage you to go read it. In Acts chapter four, Peter and John get, get arrested because of what they're doing. They get arrested and they get told by the members of the council, you are not allowed to teach or speak of this name, Jesus, any longer. And here's what you have to understand. As you walk in obedience in your relationship with God, it's gonna frustrate some people. Your obedience is gonna cause you some problems in your life. I'll just tell you that. It has been the case, it is the case, and will forever be the case. But Peter says he did get up from the grave, and therefore that's what matters most to me. In fact, nothing else matters. And so I will live my life in response to that. Your obedience is gonna frustrate a couple people. A couple people specifically, it's gonna frustrate your flesh. Your obedience is gonna frustrate religious people, and your obedience is gonna frustrate the enemy. So just don't be shocked, okay? It's just an encouragement, you know? Probably could have packaged that one a little better for you, but you get the point. It's gonna frustrate some people, so just be aware of it. In fact, celebrate it when it happens. But you know what stands out to me? This is the same dude that now in Acts chapter four says, whether you think it's right for me to obey God or you, you can judge all you want, but I've seen him. I've walked with him. I have talked with him. I have experienced his presence. And so I cannot help but speak of that which I have seen and heard. He is Jesus. This is the same dude that just a couple months ago denied Jesus three times in a matter of moments because kids called him out on being a follower of Jesus. Because children, young people said, aren't you the one that's been with Jesus? No, uh-uh, mm-mm. You must get, that was my twin. It was a different person, my cousin, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't know this man. Peter, just a few months ago, but as an encounter with the Holy Spirit, says, you know what? Peter determines, I've tried this my own way. I, I have, I've tried to do this, kind of making it important, but not really. And when I had a moment to stand for Jesus, I didn't. And it hasn't gone well for me not taking his testimony seriously. So I have decided that from here on out, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If he says it, I'm gonna do it. I don't ask questions. I'm not concerned with what I don't understand. I'm gonna follow him and whether you like it or not, doesn't matter, I will follow Jesus. Peter decides, you know what, I've tried it my way. I'm gonna take this seriously. Um, you know one of the things that I wish we had in this world is like, pre-having a kid counseling. You know what I mean? Like we have pre-marriage counseling, fantastic. You should do it. You should continue counseling after getting married, by the way. Um, but pre-kid counseling, I feel like, you know, there's a business idea for one of you, okay? I'm not asking for a lot of credit, promise, but like, just remember me. Um, but pre-kid counseling, right? Because like nobody tells you by the time they turn two, they're already smarter than you. My daughter, I will do anything almost to get her to go to sleep. Um, really quick, 
Where do we stand on bribing children to get them to obey what you need them to do? Is that a gray area in scripture? I don't know. Because um, my daughter will do everything she can to not go to bed. She wants another snack. She's got to go to the bathroom. She's, I mean, this girl has never been to the bathroom that much in her life, let alone in 30 minutes. And it's 9.30 and I'll come to Soraya and I'll be like, Soraya, please go to bed. In fact, Soraya, if you just go to bed this one time, I will take you to Costco when we wake up. We will go get a toy. I promise you, just please, dad's exhausted. Go to bed. You know what this girl does? She goes right back to her bed. She goes to sleep and she said, all right, bet. And at 5 a.m., this girl fully dressed in my room, dad. Remember, you said, would Costco toy, I'm up, I'm ready. How come you're not? It's time to go. Like. She took me so seriously. And what's funny is scripture will actually tell us that unless we're like a little children, like this, a little child, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. A child that just says, my father asked me to, so I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna take him at his word, I'm gonna take him seriously. And what stands out to me is Peter said, I've tried it, and then he goes, didn't work. So you know what, God said it, so I'ma just, I'ma take him at his word completely. Doesn't hesitate, just in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And I love that. But in Acts chapter three, verse one, scripture says this, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask for alms. What you gotta understand today is that um, the value of consistency cannot be overstated. In your life and in your walk with Jesus especially, the value of consistency cannot be overstated. A couple of things that stand out to me about this passage in Acts chapter three is the consistency of Peter and John to continue going to the temple daily, even multiple times a day. Not to mention the consistency of the man. See, we have a tendency when we read scripture to assume that I'm Peter and John. But in reality, there's a lot more times that I'm probably the lame man who thinks I know what I need, but I really don't. And I kind of have a way to hold on to bitterness and all these other things that keep me from really experiencing the presence of God like I need to. And, and so I, I'm, I'm awestruck by the consistency of even the man outside the gate to Acts chapter four will tell us that this man is 40 years old, that daily he was carried now, some of y'all don't like to move your neighbor once when they ask for help. Can you imagine his friends every day being like, bro, again today? Like, it's been 39 years. Like, do we need to? Like, are you good today? Can I have an off day? No, I need to get there, you know? Like, but it's shocking to me that both of their consistencies positioned them to receive from God in this moment right here. See, we live in a world that is, that is microwave culture, what have you done for me lately, and if you don't produce for me today, I'm out, I'm gonna go do my own thing. But we don't take our cues from culture, we take our instruction from our creator, and, and even though this is how the world functions and works, we see that the value of consistency cannot be overstated, but, but even, even in the church today, and, and I'll just, I'll, I'll rat out my generation because I'm a part of it. So um, my, my generation has a tendency uh, to long for emotional, spiritual moments 
and then just move on and live our life exactly how we want to live it and then just figure when I get depleted, when I get down, I'll just pop back in, have another emotional, spiritual experience because you know what? Emotional, spiritual experience moments, like those are much easier than lives of surrender daily to God, asking him to mold me and shape me and move me and develop me into the person that he has created me to be. That's much harder. Long faithfulness in the same direction is much more costly than one spiritual, emotional experience. But this consistency that Peter and John model is not a, is not a new thing. In fact, we see it throughout all of scripture that, that this, this is just how, this is how our life as followers of Jesus ought to look. Look, look at this, Psalm chapter 55, verse 16 through 17 says, for as for me, watch the consistency here, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and noon, I will pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Daniel chapter six says, now when Daniel knew the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. As was his custom. Preston said it like this before, you will experience more of the power of God the more you consistently practice pursuing the presence of God. But sadly, in our, in our world today, in an effort not to blindly just follow religious practices, we've almost thrown the baby out with the bathwater and just said, I don't need any of it. I can just live my life however I want, but like God's gracious. And is he gracious? Oh, absolutely. But there is a way, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Like, I am the way to live. I'm the way to live your life, follow me. There is a way a way that is right for you, a way that is beneficial to your life, a way that will actually grow you and mature you and develop you and I. But the reality is, is my generation has taken the sameness of God for granted. What do I mean by that? I mean, God is most definitely, yes, his character is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if you've been following God for any amount of time, you know that in this season of my life, man, God has new mercies for me. God wants to do a new thing in my life, something I have not seen ever before. Oh, his character is the same most definitely, but he works in mysterious ways and does new things in your life. But we just believe that because God's the same, I can just like shelf him and then whenever I wanna go back to him, I can go and I will get the same thing I would have got the entire time. God's just gonna download all of the revelation I need in my life in one five minute moment with him. And I've never given him the time of day. No, I'm gonna miss some stuff. I'm gonna miss out on some things God wants to do today because hear me, today's all you've been given. And so if I just waste today, I, I'm, I could miss what God wanted to do in my life. Today, we've taken the sameness of God for granted, but scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Consistency will position you to receive more than your striving ever will because whatever you do most consistently is 
most important to you. You know, a lot of people, um, a lot of people, young people, especially young adults, will ask me like, hey, how, how, do I, how do I hear from God? How do I hear from God more? Like, I feel like I don't hear him. And the biggest question is like, how consistent are you in this word? Because this is what he says, right? One of the, one of the biggest uh, uh, things we need to understand is how God talks is just important for you to recognize as what he is saying. Because the enemy will actually use and distort and manipulate things that sound right, that kind of are taken out of context and not really that, but he'll, he'll use scripture to try to get you to sway you off even. But when I know how God talks, when I know the way he sounds, it becomes easier for me to distinguish, nope, that sounds right, but that's not how God talks. This, this is what he's asking me to do. The more, the more time I spend with him in prayer, the more I'm gonna hear him. The more time I get around people in community, in the church, and I, and I, I do life together in community, you know what I'm gonna find? I'm not alone. But when I just, in fact, the, the quote goes, I don't know who said it, but somebody smarter than me said it, don't be shocked when the next generation considers unimportant what you have chosen to make occasional or optional today. But in Acts chapter three, we see that Peter and John are just, just consistent, just doing what God asked them to do, just doing what Jesus modeled. And what I love is that they were interrupted on their journey into the temple. See, as a follower of Jesus, you gotta know that interruptions are to be anticipated and welcomed. It's gonna happen. God's gonna interrupt your day. God's gonna interrupt your life. Some of you are even here today because God interrupted your yesterday or this morning and somebody forced you to be here. Praise God, right? God wants to interrupt your day later today. God wants to interrupt your lunch. Did you know that? God wants to interrupt your dinner tonight. It should be anticipated and welcomed. You know what gets me is that um, Peter and John weren't miracle hunting. They weren't searching. They, 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 they weren't out there searching for like, oh, do you see anybody? Oh, I think that guy back there, you know, like they, that's not, they were just doing what Jesus modeled. They were just doing what they know to do. They were just being consistent in their relationship with God. And guess what? Signs, wonders, miracles, purpose found them along the way. What you have to understand is much of what God wants to do and is going to do in your life will be done along the way as you're obeying the last thing he asked you to do. That's why you and I, we, we gotta pay attention. We gotta pay attention. We gotta have our eyes open to see the people that God is going to bring in our life, but it brings up a very good question. Does God have permission to interrupt my day, my plans, and my life? You know, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, it was holidays and we were traveling and uh, my wife and I said we might not gonna do this anymore because it's chaotic, um, but we did it anyway, so we broke our rule. And uh, we were going to Disneyland. Grandpa and Grandma said, you get out here, we'll pay for it. So we're like, bet, right? Disney World, I guess, is in Orlando. So I was like, absolutely, okay? Daughter loves it, wife loves Disney World more than my daughter does, okay? So we're going. And uh, we're, th th this is quite possibly, we flew out the day after Christmas, this is quite possibly the, First time in a very long time I ever remember being in an airport two hours early, okay? Because I'm like, it's Christmas, like it's gonna be chaotic, so we'll get there early. And I kid you not, I 
I think Phoenix Airport forgot that it was like a travel day, you know? Like there was like nobody working. It was absolute madness. The line, if you've been there recently, like hopefully you can get this picture. The line wrapped all the way around the ground floor and around the escalator. Hear me, I have my bags. I had bags paid for, checked in, boarding passes, everything. All I gotta do is hand these bags to the person up there. And we waited an hour and 30 minutes in this line. If you're doing the math, we missed that flight. And when Disney World is on the other end of that flight, that compounds the situation that I gotta now figure out how to solve, okay? We got to the airport at 7 a.m. in the morning. We were supposed to leave at 9.15 a.m. We didn't have to wake up too early. It was perfect. I had planned this perfectly. And uh, next flight was at four o'clock. So we had to fly standby and uh, we had to fly standby with four people because bless my two-year-old's heart, she turned two a week before this flight. So I got to pay for her. I had the privilege of paying for her and it was fantastic. <laughs> And then um, at, f at four o'clock, we try to get on this plane ride, um, but they only have three seats. So my wife, she is a rock star. She took my two little girls and she jumps on the plane and she goes to Disney World. Sure enough, I sit in the airport again, next flight, 11.45 at night. Now they had taken all of our car seats, so we were stuck in this airport, okay? So I was at this airport from 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m. And I go to the lounge, I'm sitting in this little lounge area and this, this kid, I notice like towards, as we're getting closer to my flight, this kid keeps looking at me. He's been looking at me for a while and comes over about an hour before I'm about to leave and he goes, hey, can I talk to you? Um, I just feel like I'm supposed to talk to you. And I'm like, sure. And you ever try to like shoo somebody along? Like you're not trying to be mean, but you're like trying to shoo somebody along. Like I've had a day, pal, you know? I am, I'm angry at everybody, you know? I'm really trying to remember I'm a pastor, you know? And you're like, remember, you love Jesus, you love people. You love Jesus, you love people. And this kid just wants to talk to me. And he begins to ask me, hey, what are you doing? And before I know it, I thought, this kid's trying to witness to me in the lounge of the airport. And I'm thinking back, like, I hope I didn't say anything rude at the beginning of this. And he, he's trying to witness to me and he's telling me about his faith and, and, and he's just like stumbling over words, just trying super, super hard. And, and it comes to the end and I'm like, hey man, like I'm a pastor actually in the area. And he's like, awesome. And he takes the opportunity to then ask like every spiritual question he's ever had. <laughs> and uh, he begins to, literally his, one of the big questions he asks is, how do I know if I'm hearing God? How do I know if I'm hearing God? And I said, are you kidding me? You just stared at me for two hours. <laughs> and then you walked up and said, I feel like I'm supposed to talk to you. I don't know. You stumbled over your words. He's telling me that like church, like after the fact, he's telling me that like he's grown up in church, but it wasn't really like something he connected with. And he's been talking to his youth pastor and trying to step up more and, and trying to like read his Bible more and do what it says. And I said, and bro, like you walked up to me, total stranger, Sorry, tell me about your faith. God made it possible that I'm a pastor so you don't have to worry about what I'm gonna say, how I'm gonna respond, if I'm gonna laugh at you or not to encourage you. And now we just spent the next hour talking about what it looks like to hear from God. And you're gonna ask me, do you hear from God? I was like, bro, have you missed the last, what's happened in the last two hours? You're hearing from God. Like, that's awesome, way to go. And I got to encourage him. And immediately then as I left, I felt this conviction in my spirit that said, Isaac, Remember, your day is mine to determine how it goes. 
Because Isaac, I'm so thankful you didn't just rush through this because I wanted to encourage that kid that's trying really hard to figure the life out that I'm building for him. He's trying really hard and he's had some tough moments and he wasn't sure, but, but I needed him to be encouraged to know I am speaking to him, I am doing something in his life. And not to mention, I also wanted to redeem a little bit of your day as well because I know you've been through it today. And I sat convicted and, and also encouraged at the same time. If you walk with Jesus, you know those moments often happen together. And I was like, man, thank you, God, for interrupting my day. Thank you for not just letting me get on the next plane, but for interrupting my day. And what you gotta understand is that divine interruptions are invitations into a deeper partnership with the Spirit of God. There are some things he wants to partner with you today. There are some people that he actually wants to work in and through you to encourage today, even while you're at lunch. But will I be open and available enough for him to interrupt? On the way, they saw a certain man. Continuing in verse six, the Bible says, then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. One of the, one of the things that you learn is one of the fastest ways to, um, to love someone else or to show them that you care is by seeing their need. And you have to understand today, no matter what you came into this room with, no matter what you carry, God sees your needs. But the tough part is to recognize that God is much more concerned about you getting what you need than you getting what you want. That's the tougher part to to hold on to and to grasp. It's interesting to me that it wasn't until the day this man didn't get what he wanted that he was positioned to receive what he really, truly needed. As I was reading Acts chapter three, I was just going back through some moments when I got to this part and I was like, God, like you need to help me because I'm sorry for all the days I whined and complained because I didn't get what I wanted. because you were probably trying to reveal to me and maybe even bring into my life what I really needed. If you're always getting what you want, very rarely will you ever experience what you truly need. Because when I seemingly have all that I want, I don't go to God for what I need. I don't even know what I truly need. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have. The, the thing that you want the most I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do anything about that. But I've also come to realize that what we tend to want the most actually has very little value in comparison to what I have experienced in the testimony of Jesus. Because he did in fact get up. It does in fact change everything. And it does in fact speak encouragement into my heart that no matter what I'm going through, God can, God can redeem it. Matthew chapter six shows us that God knows what you need. God's aware of what you need. He says, therefore, don't be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask. My God should supply all of your needs, Philippians 4, according to his riches and his glory by Jesus Christ. You know what we want in this world, culturally? What we want is more money. What we need most, though, 
is disciplined to budget correctly so that I can handle and steward that which God has already brought into my life so I can be positioned to receive more that God wants to bring into my life. What we want is a spouse. What I need is my character to be, to be developed and purity to be birthed in me. That way I can keep the gift of the spouse that God has brought into my life, that I can receive that gift. What I want is to not it is for the hurt and the pain that that person has caused me to not affect me anymore. I, I wanna just forget about what has happened. What I need is freedom. What I need is spiritual healing that can only come by the hand of Almighty God. God is much more concerned about you getting what you need more than you getting what you want. And Peter and John recognize that I have the very thing that you need. I've got it. And you need to know today, you have something to give. You have something to give. The very fact that you're in this room, whether, no matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, tells me that you have already experienced enough from God and of God that the Holy Spirit would even woo you to be here in the first place. You've seen some stuff. You've heard some stuff. And other people need to hear of what you have seen and what you have heard. This is how Peter and John are living their life. They say, you know what? I cannot help but speak of what I have seen and what I have heard. He is too good. I have come to realize that nothing matters other than him. And so even though what you want seems valuable in the eyes of the world, I have what you truly need. And so I will simply give to you that which I have received so freely in the grace of Jesus. I will give it to you. Because here's what happens, when you get a revelation of the goodness of God and the power of the gospel, you become responsible to it and you cannot help but speak of that which you have seen and heard. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 will tell us that the manifestation of the Spirit is for the profit of all. What does that mean? As the Holy Spirit works in your life, gifts you and empowers you, it's not just for you. It's for his glory and that others may benefit as a result of it. That when God does things in your life, he loves you, he cares for you, he has you in his mind. He also has everybody in your life within arm's reach in mind as well. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are higher than your ways. Revelation chapter 19 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, that when you tell of the goodness of God and what God has done in your life, it actually prophesies to others that if it happened for you, it can happen for them. This is why we need more followers of Jesus that are unapologetically serious about taking on this commission of Jesus to be my witnesses and to spread and to share the testimony of Jesus in the world around them because it in fact is the only thing of value we have. And it prophesies to everyone who hears that God does save, that God does re redeem, that God does restore, that he does heal. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. As we're teaching people about 
sharing their testimony. What I love is the, the eagerness to share the goodness of God at the beginning, especially in young people as we teach them this. They, they, they get so excited and they just, you know, they would give them five minutes to say, say what God's done in their life. And they spend four minutes and 45 seconds talking about the drugs they were on, the girls they connected with, the houses that they were a part of and da, 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 da. And then they're like, but then like Jesus and like, yeah, so I'm here. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? No, 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 stop. Like that's okay, cool. But like, um, if you have five minutes, four minutes and 30 seconds ought to be given to the goodness of God, what has happened since I surrendered my life to him. Yes, you were a mess. We all were. We are all that lame man. We all were him. But since I gave God my life, since I allowed him to be Lord of my life and make my decisions for me, oh, let me tell you, he has protected me. He has provided for me. He has healed me. He has restored relationships. He has spoken to me in the midnight hour when I didn't know how I was going to get through. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. People need to know. And if God never does another thing, you already have enough to say for the rest of your life what God has done. But if he does something more, whew, add that to the list. We're gonna talk about that as well because he has been so good. He has been there every step of the way. And it is because of him that I live and move and breathe and have my being. You know, we read scriptures like this, and again, we're tempted to think that I'm Peter and I'm John, and the reality is, is I've got mess in my life too, and I've struggled at different moments with insecurity and anger, and sometimes I feel like that lame man running after things I want, all the while realizing it's not what I truly need. And gotta be reminded, gotta come back. But it's encouraging to me, and, and this isn't directly in the text, so, but I wonder, what was it that allowed Peter and John to respond with such boldness to this man, to see this man and say, I gotta talk to him. I wonder if it wasn't their humble realization that it wasn't too long ago that that was them. And they said, you know what? I don't ever want somebody to sit in that any longer than they need to anymore. I will speak of what God has done in my life because I've got a revelation of his goodness. He's been way, way too good. You have something to give. Acts chapter one and verse eight, Jesus says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Would we be a church that on a random, random Sunday in January, when everybody else has already done resolutions and this isn't one of those resolution days, we just make a commitment to say, and I'm going to take the testimony of Jesus seriously. I'm going to make a point to tell everyone that I come in contact with this year. I will not go a single conversation without bringing up the name of Jesus. Because it is, he is 
the most valuable thing that I have. He is everything to me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we were coming into today, really two things I just felt strongly about is one, just to encourage us again to take the testimony of Jesus. Seriously, accept the call to talk about him, show him. This world is dark, getting darker. The light shines the brightest in the darkest of places. And you have a light to shine. Would you be consistent? What God's asked you to do, would you pay attention and allow yourself to be interrupted today, this week? Would you recognize that he is all that you need and you need not want for anything because he is everything and recognize that you have the most valuable gift you could possibly give in the name and the person of Jesus. The second person that I just felt strongly about is just somebody who feels like you kind of feel a little bit. Lameness comes in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Lameness can be bitterness. It can be, it can be insecurity. It can be unforgiveness. It can be a lot of different things. And maybe you find yourself here today and you feel, you resonate a little bit with that lame man. Just seems like you're coming and you're consistent and you're doing some of the things, but it, it just seems like you haven't received and or you're not sure. And you just kind of keep going through this motion. It seems like you're just going day by day by day. The reality is, is Jesus sees you. He knows what you need. And I wonder today if I could just so encourage you to keep showing up, keep believing, keep praying, keep seeking God, keep serving, keep being generous, keep loving. And I wonder what might happen as you just remain consistent in hoping and trusting the Lord today. Today could be your day where you step into the freedom that you have so longed for for many, many years. The rest of us, I just wonder what would, what would happen if you were just consistent in loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. What purpose and what opportunities to speak into the lives of those around you would come if you just simply did those things. God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your goodness and your grace and for speaking to us. Father, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray that we would receive whatever it is that you have highlighted to us over the course of this time, that it would fall on good soil. God, that we would stand in awe of your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And God, that we would take the testimony of Jesus seriously you have been too good we've seen too much we've heard too much to keep quiet about who you are we love you and worship you in Jesus name everybody said